0: Excellent. Got uh it. we are recording. So Woo! I am Stacia and this is Kiki. And
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> we are such thieves. This, this is our podcast.
0: <laughs> <of> our imagination. <laughs> yeah. It's goofy and adorable, just like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, um yeah so this is pigments of our imagination a podcast where we talk about our our triumphs our tribulations our visions and dreams and we both happen to be uh non-binary queer people with albinism um so yeah do you wanna just take a moment to check in with each other about how we're doing how how are yes. we
1: how are you doing stacia how are you this fine evening my dear friend,
0: um, I'm doing good. I smudged my apartment cause it smelled pretty fishy. <laughs> <'cause we made laughs> um, but so, you know, I'm getting all the, all the Sage vibes. Um, but honestly I had, I just felt weird this week. Like I just, as you know, cause we've talked about it this week as we typically do, um, I just felt really dysregulated this week. Um, and so anyways, I, I feel good now to be doing this with you because I think doing things like this helps me to be present actually, and it's helpful to do creative projects with people that I love, um, where I can, it kind of like forces me to, to be as present as I can be, especially when I'm having times of like dysregulation. So yeah, I'm doing really good to see your face and to do this tonight with you. So, I'm feeling feeling good. How you doing? I'm hey. um,
1: I'm doing pretty good. I have my week was, I mean, you've been talking to me. It's been a it's been a a tough week, but I also feel really good to be here. Um I am this is this is like this tends to be the time of day i mean night that's what i mean evening <laughs> I, I feel my day bed.
0: time for the albinos <laughs> <I hate it. laughs>
1: um so yeah i'm actually thinking of keeping some more nocturnal hours anyway uh for the rest of the summer but um yeah i am really happy to be here talking to you and podcasting because i've wanted to do it for a long time and it also is terrifies me so (laughs) i'm glad that i'm doing it
0: (laughs) i hope it's a good scary scary in the the best way it is it is i i mean
1: you know me i like scary stuff
0: (laughs) yeah we're we're ghouls and we like spooky stuff um so this is our second episode yay um (sighs) And in this episode, which actually the theme was totally Kiki's idea, um, I tentatively named it the theater of albinism, which is silly. I like it. Um, But in this episode, we are basically going to be talking about our experiences with theater and performance art um, and how we've experienced those things as people with albinism and kind of the weird situation of doing theater and performance art as people with albinism, when uh, in some ways we always feel kind of like a spectacle (laughs) Um, and always as if we're sort of have a a magnifying glass of attention on us. Um, So yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about today. Um yes. so do you want to bring us in, Kiki? Uh start us off just talking about like how you got into theater and sort of, you know, just the broad strokes of what your experience with theater and performance art have been?
1: Sure, I can do that. Um, well,
0: uh my I ha
1: I come from a like family that does a lot of theater and performance type uh activities and my mom is uh theater is a very theater is her whole life that's so <laughs> you know? cool yeah it makes her very happy and it always has and so I was you know grew up going to rehearsal with her I would spend like most of my summers in a nice dark cold air-conditioned theater <laughs> excellent
0: um. for us <laughs> you know, it was
1: fine by me <laughs> Um, and so then, you know, I, uh, I think, I think I was the one who expressed an interest in, and so I started, I, you know, I did stuff when I was little, I don't, you know, it was just children's theater. Like how theater. little? Uh, like
0: seven. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, there was like a thing in the, the town that I grew up called Smiles and Frowns, you know, like the comedy and tragedy oh, around, right. mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and, uh, it was just like, you know, children's community theater um and then I I didn't really do anything in middle school and then high school that was like all I did all I did was go to class and then go to rehearsal that's like where I was basically all of high school um and then college also I started out as a theater major and then I ended up designing my own major that was uh like my theater classes and then gender studies and like uh philosophy classes sounds all.
0: right
1: <laughs> and I, I we we had an interdisciplinary studies department where you could design your own major and then uh i then my advisor was like oh you're basically doing performance studies and involving disability studies and that's like you can you can go to grad school for that and i was like oh okay um and yeah i did i started doing a lot more um not uh not mainstream theater in college you know plays mm-hmm. written by people in town and like I was in a little theater troupe and we were doing you know Cute. original stuff. yeah and so I got to yeah it, and then yeah and then I did and then I was gonna go to grad school and be a performance artist so there was you know some of I mean I that's, can
0: love performance art
1: yeah, I mean, I do too. I have also seen and made a lot of really
0: <laughs> probably unfortunate. Speaking of which, if we get a chance, can we please talk about the performance art that is your Halloween costume as powder with a bald cap? <laughs> I didn't even prep you for that, but like, no, key. <laughs> you,
1: know you let me know no pressure. Stick that in there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I, I was wondering if. that was gonna come up I guess um yeah so I mean I've been um doing involved with theater and then I I don't know after grad school I kind of I haven't been uh I wouldn't have called myself a theater person for a long time but um I would still call myself a performer I guess but Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm.
0: um and I, I, I yeah that's how I first engaged you, I think, is, like, somehow, I feel like somebody sent me your Instagram. It was, like, you looking adorable, like, playing guitar, and I was, like, they're so really? cooler than be And oh. like, or, like, I can't, I can't, I just remember I came across you somehow on Instagram, and yeah. you were playing guitar, and I was, like, I wish I could play guitar and, like, sing cute hey. and, like, be a cute albino. No.
1: Well, I mean, I think you're a very cute person with albinism myself, but, uh, and you could play guitar, you know, I mean, that's, that could could happen (laughs) if I practice one day. Um, but yeah, so, uh, let's see. Um, that's, I guess that's basically my, that's the short answer, I suppose.
0: Um, one follow-up question I was going to ask you is like, do you think that your mom being into theater, really primed you in a positive way towards doing theater things or like made it more challenging or neutral um
1: i felt good about it i
0: it never she definitely
1: i never felt pressured by her in any way um i i think there was probably that that thing that you have sometimes well i don't know but that thing that i had as a child where i was kind of like oh it seemed natural to want to do stuff that you know my my parents wanted to do well or but then my mom I don't know maybe I just did just naturally like it on my own I I was super drawn to it because I was already I liked I played I played a lot of pretend and stuff you know Mm -hmm. um so I was like I was and I was I mean people were always telling me I was being dramatic I was a pretty theatrical (laughs) child
0: you (laughs) seem like an ENFP not to go into too much Myers-Briggs and to me, oh, and that seems very prime true. towards performance.
1: Yeah, I don't, I can't remember. It's been so long since I took a Myers-Briggs. I feel like I was like uh, uh, like right on the line between I and E, but I think I, think I wasn't, a, that. I think I was a J at the time, but that was a long time ago, who knows?
0: Yeah, for anyway. another episode, we should, you <laughs> yeah, know I'm a fucking My,
1: Myers-Briggs nerd. Our personality assessments. Um,
0: Um, Well, yeah, I think that was a good sketch of sort of um, how, like, the broad strokes of your experience with performance art and theater. How about you? Want to share yours? Sure. Um, So I will say my experience is somewhat more informal in that, like, I was always fit, like, class clown. And uh, so like in our elementary school plays, I would like get a role or whatever in our like Christmas plays uh, that, or like our holiday plays that we do. Um, and then in middle school, um, I tried out for the play and I got like a bit part. We did uh, like an abridged version of Comedy of Errors. And I, so anyways, I got like a bit part and did a bunch of like uh, theater tech stuff. Um, but I just remember I really loved the ritual of like going to uh, you know going to practice after school and sort of the community mm. of theater kids. Um, we're all probably like ADHD characters who just like wanted to like be loud and dance around. Um, so I just remember feeling very at home in that like community of of kids. Um, and surprise, surprise. In the bit part that i had i played like a merchant who mm. i decided was a man and i like drew a mustache like i drew Aww. i remember i made a little uh goatee for myself and i got so Hi. much gender euphoria can i tell you
1: oh, oh,
0: oh. um and you like pictures of that can I please, somebody's, somebody's parents, somebody's of, parents somebody's needs to have recordings of this but um Aww. So I did that and then in high school, um, so I did ninth grade in Georgia and then the rest uh, in Arizona and in ninth grade I had like tried out, so my school was really competitive. Uh, the school I went to in ninth grade was really competitive in this like high school theater uh, competition called One Act and I don't know if that's a thing everywhere, but anyways, my school was like really competitive in it. So like. I tried out for the musical they were doing honk that year which is like a retelling of the ugly duckling story and, oh, hi. Oh, honk. <laughs> and i was really stoked for it and like i think i'm a pretty good like i, I think i'm actually better at like theater singing than like choral singing yeah personally. um <laughs> because I'm just like extra and so I felt really proud of my audition and then I auditioned and I didn't get it and I remember just feeling so sad um and my best friend at the time did uh Mm -hmm. but the weird thing at my school and that I've seen in general in high schools is if you didn't take like theater as your um Uh, what do you call it as one of your uh, electives you kind of like weren't a part of the like theater cult and so like you didn't get cast if you weren't like a part of the theater kids. so anyways maybe I'm just making excuses but it just (laughs) seemed like I didn't get cast because I wasn't like I didn't take the theater classes one of my electives and I just remember feeling really crushed because no shade but I felt like my audition was much better than my best friend's. Uh, But anyways, uh, so then for the rest of high school, I didn't do theater. Um, And then I didn't come back to theater until I was in grad school. I got introduced to this um, community theater group called Dream Freedom Revival. And there's this guy who got this grant, uh, shout out Kevin Bott, And he was really kind of a like theater of the people type, you know, all about sort of like using theater as a cathartic expression for, you know, just like working through real social issues and um, like social commentary and working on, you know, using theater as an an exercise to get our traumas out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to say that like that, doing that community theater group during grad school was one of my saving graces that kept me sane because I was going, I mean, grad school is a shit show in and of itself emotionally. And I also was going through a lot of like relationship drama at the time. So I was really stressed and overwhelmed. And I think for two semesters, I did uh, Dream Freedom Revival and so we did two performances one performance per semester and it was just so beautiful it was a really eclectic group of people like racially age-wise um and we so the way it was set up is we would create we'd write the music and also kind of the skit each each semester um and we'd the idea was that we were like some we were abolitionists because like Syracuse is a very like you know it has a lot of history of uh, abolitionism and mm-hmm. so we were supposed to be a like ragtag group of abolitionists who like traveled through time and space to like I love tell, a
1: ragtag of abolitionists.
0: <laughs> right and to like tell modern society you know like our tales of sort of like how to fight the good fight or whatever and so each, the theme was basically, we do some kind of social commentary of something that was happening, like socially and politically at the time and work that into like our songs and our narrative. And so anyways, it felt just like very cathartic, not just for doing the act of it, but also because it was a way to like exercise social frustrations into, you know, like through your body, like through performance. And that was the first time I ever like did something like that. and um it was really healing yeah but yeah that's the broad sketch of kind of my experiences um and then I guess I just sort of wanted to bring up like uh you know us talking about what our general experiences were in doing performance art as people or just like doing theater as people with albinism and like whether it was a thing or not, or like what yeah. your own social commentary or experience of that was, how you were cast? Yeah, I mean, I should say, I was,
1: I did see, I, I've also seen and saw a lot of beautiful, amazing performance art in grad school as well. <laughs> I, should, I should be very clear about that. Um, let's see, in terms of, okay, yeah, in terms of how I was, we were talking about like how we were cast or how I was cast, yeah, and like, what your experience
0: was in being cast, yeah. Like, all right, well, definitely,
1: <laughs> I was a couple of times cast as, especially when I was a kid and my hair wasn't colored, um, I would get cast as elderly people, rude, um, mm-hmm. I mean. I, that's not a let's see. Then I got there was, yeah, no, I would guess it was weird. And then let's see, there was an alien this one time. And there was the time I was the straight up ghost of Christmas. Past. I was gonna say, are you, if you say ghost, I think we've talked about this oh, before. There was more than one ghost, but my favorite was the straight up ghost of Christmas. Past.
0: Can we say derivative as fuck? Like, excuse me, theater director. Like, you are an adult. Like, what the fuck? And it's funny though because
1: i and i love i got to i wore like my hair i wasn't this is the funny thing about that in high school i was trying to look like i did not have albinism my hair was colored oh. not platinum my eyelashes had mascara on them my eyebrows were colored in i never wore like i was not i had contacts damn crying so hard and and still <laughs> And then she puts, and then I had to, I wore a very long white wig for that role. And that was fine because it was a wig. So I was like, cool. Now, it was so weird. Wow, I got to. Oh, what an interesting meta narrative happening I there. I know. I got to cosplay <laughs> as a person with albinism, even though I have albinism.
0: Right? <laughs> like, You're like, I'm wearing a platinum wig. <laughs> I'm wearing a platinum wig, no. I put paler makeup on than I already had. <laughs>
1: i'm a freaking ghost
0: (laughs) that's so funny and also interesting yeah Um.
1: i definitely uh, and then sometimes that the thing is is once i stopped trying to do main as much mainstream theater there wasn't as much of that you know because Mm -hmm. like i I, people would cast me in things and it just maybe the character had albinism maybe they did not it wasn't Mm -hmm. you know it was just embodying
0: a role it was less of or, a shtick to be used as something
1: yeah it wasn't there wasn't or, or there wasn't a thing where somebody was like well we're just gonna have to put you in so much like or i would get cast in a role where they were like we gotta put a wig that's completely not your like and so much makeup on you and like so much so that you look like you don't have albinism <laughs> can
0: like, we talk just for a second about how problematic that is like i mean it's silly in like in tv and like movie theater when we see like them casting people who aren't like the demographic of a thing right or like you know like we can't imagine that this character is black or queer or whatever even though those things don't have anything to do with like the character type Mm -hmm. but then at the theater level it's just like seriously like this is literally the platform at which we should be able to use our imaginations for so much yeah. of like what we're creating here. And like, I think I just felt not like, not to rant too much, but like, I think I just <laughs> felt like people looked at me and were like, oh, like they're gonna be too distracted by this person. And so, or like, I don't I don't know what people think, but I just felt like, you know, like I was a pretty dramatic kid. And Mm -hmm. I feel frustrated looking back that, like, there were so many people who didn't try to use the opportunity of of doing, you know, like, theater in school for me to exercise that. And instead, we're just like, you know, the real thing is they probably took it too seriously because they never actually did any, like, I don't want to say legitimate theater, but like, you know how when like people become, you know, are teachers at something and then they like take a thing too seriously because they're like trying to vicariously like relive the thing that they didn't do. Oh
1: yes, yes, I'm familiar. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, I just feel like that happened and that's shitty because, you know, childhood is when I feel like we should encourage like all kids, especially ones who are marginalized to be able to like, Use art as a vehicle to express themselves, not to just like make the perfect show or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I also just wanted to talk about like what some of your most memorable memorable experiences of doing theater were. Like, either negative or positive, but like things that really stuck out for you. Um.
1: Well, let's see, I'm trying to think not, they wouldn't necessarily have to that much to do with albinism, I guess, but um, uh, I mean, well, okay. I do have, this is, I just, this does have to do with albinism and theater, um, but, and it's just memorable because it was, a, I don't know, I'm just gonna tell the story. Um, I was in Steel Magnolias in high school, and so, um, and this is when I was coloring my hair to try mm-hmm. to look like I did not have albinism. I was a redhead at the time.
0: Okay, okay, um, like I can my, picture it. Like a like
1: a straight up redhead, because you know, whatever. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, even and and a lot of these kids had known, like we had known a lot of these people had known me since we were children. So I don't really know, like what I thought I was, whatever. I, I was get just, it. I get yeah, it. I like, look you guys I'm trying to look like everybody you else you want to separate
0: up. yourself from like you know the the albinism as your identity it's like I'm gonna change it up or something you know
1: well no and I, I didn't want people to make fun of me
0: yeah <laughs> word I didn't want people to make fun of me
1: mm-hmm. um anyway so there was a part um I was playing Clary uh, who I believe Olympia Dukakis plays in the movie. Why am I telling people that? Nobody cares. Anyway, um, but it's, it's, there's a part where I'm like getting my, supposed to be getting my hair done. And so uh, a girl that I went to high school with was like all up in my hair. And I knew that my roots were coming in, my white roots mm-hmm. and my red hair. And mm-hmm. so I I like lean back and I'm like, Sarah, Sarah, you, you know that my hair is naturally white, right? And, so, <laughs> oh. and so, and she goes, and she goes, I, I've known you since we were 12. know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: But, and that just stood out to me because like, it, it, I it because like, if I feel so sad for my teenage self, like, Word. you know, that freaking, like, what did I think was going to happen? You know, like I think she was going to like be like, oh, my God,
0: you guys. (laughs) Right. No, but I get it because it's like that time, teenage time is already challenging. You know, we're kids are we're all trying to figure out our identities. Right. And then when your identity has already been sort of when you feel like your identity has been set like cut in stone for you, even if it doesn't logically make sense. Right. You're just like pushing against that is my read on yeah. it so that makes sense
1: yeah <laughs> that was i mean i guess i was just but that's not a memorable like performance experience i guess that counts i mean sure yeah uh then there then there was a time in college when uh my the they were going to be doing um dancing at Lunasa. uh <laughs> Ooh which is, I forget who even wrote it, but it had made into a movie with Meryl Streep. And I used to be a really big Meryl Streep person uh, in my younger days. And I was like, and so I just, I was like, I am going to get the Meryl Streep part in this play. I'm going to do it. I'm going to practice all summer and I'm going to practice this monologue and I'm (laughs) going to get my, so good. And I am going to go in there. And I, and I don't, I'm not usually like that. Like that's not, (laughs) I don't usually have that kind of, um, pump up bravado and follow through on something like that Mm -hmm. but on that I don't know what it was and I and I did it I went in there and I auditioned and I got called back and I got that part and I was like fuck yeah I feel secondhand (laughs) empowerment like (laughs) it was it was it was probably it was definitely a time when I was like I I did that shit
0: (laughs) no that's something to like be super proud of because like I think and not to interrupt you but like I think a lot of my frustration about theater what's most memorable to me and maybe it's just my salty nature but it's like I think I came to theater because outside of my extra personality which I think is already theatrical in its own right I was like this is the space where my difference should make sense you know Mm -hmm. I'm like this is the space where people should get me this is the space where you know like Like, I'm made for this kind of space. I'm like, I'm good at this. (laughs) Yeah, like, this is the thing. And, like, theater people should get that, like, I am more than albinism or whatever. And, like, my personality and, like, playing the character should speak enough for itself. But then until I had that experience of doing Dream Freedom Revival, I actually didn't get that. Like, you know, I felt like people, like, the the teachers who were directing our performances or casting or whatever just felt like we don't like we don't want to deal with figuring out how to cast this person and right that's which is unfortunately
1: that's that's just that's slack and sad
0: <laughs> um super lazy
1: okay i have one more mem- very memorable theater experience which is when i started i was in a little theater troupe in college um, called Black Sheep Theater and it was just like we were a very small group of people and two of the uh, two of the members wrote a lot of the shows and and one of them wrote a part like for me to play basically and the character didn't have albinism but like it it also I mean she could have it was like based on um I don't know if you know that myth about the like the pirate queen Granwell or whatever her name was. Um uh, Grace- it, it
0: Grace- sounds like something I'd be into.
1: <laughs> she was like, it was a there's this whole mythology around her. Apparently she like got it on with a mermaid. Anyway, oh, <laughs> I'm here
0: for
1: it. Um, uh, but then and uh this part was written like kind of for me to play, which sounds really narcissistic as it's coming no, out of my it mouth. Doesn't. But no, it, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's accurate, it's what happened. <laughs> and that i I went so method acting on that in a way that was actually really...
0: Excellent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like I I had a journal. I was like, I wrote a song about her. I was drawing about her. I was writing poems. I was dreaming about it. I was like... And it it was really fun. Like I was interested in this character. I spent a lot of time developing her. I cared about her a great deal. Um, Mm -hmm. I and 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 that that whole pro, like i found that journal recently and i was just like i had so much it was there was just that 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 thing that life force thing where you're super curious all the time and like mm-hmm. excited when you get up cuz you're like yeah. oh my god what am i gonna like there was so much of that happening mm-hmm. during that time and uh, i it was it was so much fun
0: <laughs> yeah well and i think too like It's really empowering. I think when you get when you're used to getting either feeling insecure about and or literally being treated like as if your identity is sort of this very derivative thing. When people see you outside of that, it feels so empowering. It's like so seductive to be like, yes, I am this thing that's like outside of having albinism and so like I could see how somebody like specifically writing a part for you that like the other thing too is that like you know as I pepper in the fact that like you know we're we both have albinism and it's a part of our identities and we talk about that like it's also not who we are you know like yeah, and you total- know, <laughs> I always want to like like bring us back it, to that
1: part of us yeah
0: yeah yes. it's like one aspect of our lives like it's a major aspect of our lives but um you know we're so much more than just like having albinism yes Uh, um
1: should i talk about should i talk you want me to talk about halloween
0: yes please can you tell us the story of your halloween performance art and i honestly Uh, (laughs) am low-key high-key jealous that i didn't think of this (laughs)
1: i mean it's well okay and let me caveat this by i i i fully understand that this would not be this is not gonna have be everyone's cup of tea
0: (laughs) it's mine it's mine (laughs) i laughed so hard when you told me this honestly i got my life when you told me this story (laughs) i
1: okay so this one time i and eventually we'll do a a deeper dive on this we have a whole plan (laughs) to believe me our hordes of listeners um we have a plan to talk a lot about a film and particularly a fine little film called powder that anyone who knows me has been forced to listen to me talk about at length <laughs> but anyway the, the part of the thing about that movie that is ridiculous is that the actor does not have albinism right. it is so obvious his makeup is so bad he Real so clearly Wildcap. cap his makeup doesn't even go to his ears it's just it's all bad it's real bad and i was like you know i'm gonna i I was like i i could i was like i could dress up like this character like i have albinism but i could get into this costume this meta as fuck albino costume and it'll probably freak people the fuck out because (laughs) and so i like i yeah i I tried to make myself look like powder I got a bald cap I put a bunch of ridiculously not even that doesn't look like anyone's skin ever makeup on my face and I like uh kind of put on an outfit like him and then I like just went out to a music show and <laughs> I mean mostly people were just kind of like I mean it was Halloween so people were just kind of like you know um and uh I I I wonder, I wonder if I should tell this part where, well, I had a friend, um, <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had a friend come up to me and we were in a state um, and, but they, they were very concerned. Like they, I think they knew what I was doing and I think they thought it was some like that there was a bunch of like self-loathing happening and they like came up to me and they were like, let's get this bald cap like off of your head. And I was like, no no don't you touch my podcast no (laughs) this is my i spent a very long time on this (laughs) and i am i i am and also like i wasn't you know like when you're in costume and like i have to be if i'm in costume i have to be ready to get out i can't just necessarily like right it's a whole process yeah and of course like and it was i was like i was kind of trying to like also have a demeanor that he sort of has in powder this like <laughs> right and his even...
0: performance art the way he described yeah. me to be totally seemed like a, a whole performance art piece about like the performance of albinism you know yeah so, i mean that was that was the idea
1: like that was that was my thought um and i i've got pictures somewhere um but it was that experience was just it was, it was one of those things too, though, where as I look back on it, it was, I mean, granted, it was something, you know, don't dress up as problematic crap for Halloween, everybody. <laughs> but like that, that like, I'm, and I'm sure that would be problematic for someone, but like, it was, it was something that I.
0: I mean, you are a person with albinism. So I feel like for me personally, and maybe it's controversial in our like, warrior culture or whatever um, but like I think that it's important for us to reclaim exercising out like things that are problematic in ways that are cathartic for us you know like that's what art is for and you know like this is something that you and I talk a, a bunch about and like n- not to go too far off on a tangent but I think it's relevant in talking about performance yeah. that like yeah. we are as marginalized people, I think we all have to come to how we find catharsis in coming to terms with like exercising out the traumas of how society deals with us as others. Like we have to come to that through ways that make sense to us. And I don't think that we can fully be concerned for how it might make any person feel. Because at the end of the day, you know
1: anything.
0: (laughs) You know, like other people with albinism might not think that's great, but also like you have albinism and it's your experience. And to me, I think I think I what one thing that I love about our relationship and why I feel like we're kindred spirits is like we both have this like very tongue-in-cheek kind of like uh just like dark humor about just like our marginality and mm-hmm. I think that that is cathartic to a certain extent because it's like not take you have to laugh to keep from crying sometimes you know and I think it's really important to like not lose sight of that
1: yeah and I mean yes and I mean and it's just, but it is I just I am I'm, I think I'm just always trying to make sure because certainly my experience and of, of the way albinism is performative in a culture is super privileged so I like in in, a lot of ways um so I just am always trying to make sure that I'm keeping that like perspective in my brain um and yeah yeah, that that,
0: we have privileges for sure
1: yeah and I just it's the balance of recognizing that you know yes I I do want to be able to cathartically like figure out my own experience and I also want to try not to like do too much harm to others in that process if i can mm-hmm. um but yeah i but anyways i'm gonna find those pictures for you please do that <laughs> at some point
0: and but for yeah, that... our, our fangirls <laughs>
1: oh
0: but
1: yeah but uh, oh my Are god why is my phone lock itself
0: so much okay no it's so annoying um, um I, I was thinking that that also would be a good segue into just like us both talking about um our experiences of like um talking to casting of of True Life the MTV show oh, like True oh. Life I have albinism <laughs> <It didn't happen>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah
1: yeah we should we should we should definitely talk about that wait there was one thing I was going to say, and I cannot remember what oh, it'll come back to me at some point. Um, yeah. Okay. Go, go, go ahead. Lay it on, lay it on the people.
0: Um, so first I'll just say, like, I think it's really weird that there are so few like representations of people with albinism, um, it on TV and film, um, that aren't like some kind of weird, like the magical albino trope, I think is really Mm -hmm. weird whether it's negative or positive is like a thing Mm -hmm. but like we don't actually see real lived experiences of characters with albinism but anyways that leads me to our conversation about the fact that both of us actually so true life for those of you who are too young to remember um (laughs) or didn't watch MTV uh, there was a show in the, like, what, early 2000s on MTV called True Life, which would basically, it was like an expose of uh, people's experiences that had some kind of interesting, like, marginal experience of life. Um, and so they were do they were casting for, I, did they even actually do an episode, I yep. wonder? Did yep. they? Oh, because I didn't see it. I didn't actually watch it. I should it was all about someone learning drive. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me no i'm not the one that wow I was. oh wow oh, so anyways uh so true life was casting for true life i have albinism and i remember one of my friends told me about it and so i contacted them and uh a cast so one of the people from casting called me back and i just remember like this was i think i was like a sophomore in college um and i was really excited they called me back and all their questions you know first they had like basic introductory questions about me and my life and you know how, where i was in life and how old i was but then all of their questions seemed to be in regards to just the trials and tribulations of like having albinism and at that time especially as well i'm sure we'll get into later um you know like I was a very proud person who was like, definitely I wasn't trying to mask my albinism, but like to me, I was just like, this isn't, like the trials and tribulations of my life are a minor aspect of my life. And later on in the podcast, I'm sure we'll get into like why that's problematic, but nevertheless, like I was really excited to like, talk about all the things that I was doing and like had accomplished and like just, you know, like I was willing to talk about sort of like my struggles and challenges, but not for that to not be the focal point. And yeah. needless to say, I didn't get cast, but yeah. Anyways. Me neither. <laughs> Did you have the same experience of like the question? Uh, yeah, it was like, they seemed to be,
1: in my case, they seemed to not like they actually seemed bothered by, like, how boring my life was. Right, yeah, they're like, you're I too think... well-adjusted, <laughs> which well, no, I like, was it? but bad. like. They were like, I think they thought I was, like, too disabled, like, I was like, I don't drive, I can't really go places, I, I mean, like, I don't know, I, I, I remember having a sense that they felt like I was, I, well, I was about to say too disabled <laughs> for them to, like, and cause I mean, I guess maybe, if, and cause I, when I think about the fact that the one that I saw was someone who was trying to learn to drive, like maybe if I had been like, oh yeah, I can't drive and I'm gonna learn how, like maybe right, that right. they would the have novelty the novelty of trying to learn, learn how to drive. Uh, but the fact that I was like, nah, I'm a freak. I can't drive anywhere. And I like to dress up weird. And uh <laughs> like, I don't even, I don't even remember what the hell I told them i just remember the woman was like um yeah we'll call you we'll call
0: you well that's really interesting how we had kind of these like differing ends of the spectrum of like thinking about how they um like how they interpreted our responses because it sound if i'm hearing you correctly it seems like they like felt like your life was too disabled and that wasn't enough of like a novelty for them to do something about and i felt like my life seemed too normative the way i described (laughs) it to them and like so they were just like okay this isn't wow like we need more of 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 a sob story (laughs) so i guess neither of our lives were novel enough to be on mtv i
1: mean yeah it's it's fine
0: was pretty ridiculous to begin with because I mean
1: I mean that's gonna be my ticket to 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 stardom but oh well (laughs) and
0: and after that I was never a reality tv star Star. (laughs) god damn it my my reality tv career ended right then
1: oh my gosh that reminds me
0: though if I when i if when i post the youtube of this i need to put a link to in the show notes there is this um there's this woman that i follow on instagram who i think they have a kickstarter for a movie that she is a star of and it's about just like a character who has albinism like living their life or whatever and there's a trailer and it's really cute so anyways i'll put that in the show notes i needed to send that link to you anyway um so I'm like, I hope that this actually, they raised the money because, you know, we could use to see some representations of ourselves as characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so then I guess I just kind of wanted to like round out our conversation, just talking about ways that you thought like theater and performance art was like, you know, a gift and empowering um, and ways that it was like challenging in general.
1: Yeah, well, I can definitely say in high school, I'm, I'm super grateful that I w- had theater in high school. I think my would have been a lot more unhappy and I was plenty unhappy, <laughs> but I think I would have been a lot more unhappy if I hadn't just been constantly doing, a, like I was constantly in a show Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of time, you know, so it kept me, it kept me busy enough that I wasn't ever able, I literally didn't have enough time to be as sad as I think I would have been, Mm -hmm. if I hadn't Mm -hmm. just been at just constantly, constantly in a show. Mm -hmm. Um, But also because since I was masking my albinism all day, it's in my not theater life, you know, Mm -hmm. since I was in costume all day trying to pass as not having albinism, and then literally going and pretending to be other people constantly <laughs> all through high school. They, they didn't have albinism. Like, just constantly playing other people. I, I do feel like I showed up to college like a little bit emotionally underdeveloped because...
0: Oh, interesting.
1: I, like, in some ways, I was emotionally mature. Like, doing theater will give you some emotional maturity because you have to think about other people yeah like what how another to have empathy to be able to but i truly like my my sense of my own identity was like i was like uh, i was you know i was like i i I do theater
0: (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) what i was gonna ask you do you think that like just being spending so much time being in characters do you think that that sort of like made it hard for you to not perform in, in a general sense, you know, like perform an identity rather than like finding one? I don't know that I, I mean, I don't think, I always have felt like I was
1: good at not like playing characters in my regular life, but I just my like, definitely my, the extent to which I actually knew who I wanted to be besides somebody who plays other people (laughs) was and and yeah definitely because I had been playing so many different kinds of roles and getting to experience what it could be like to be Mm -hmm. all these different kinds of people I I definitely was like I I (laughs) like I, I kind of I yeah my I don't know i'm getting i'm i'm, I'm losing my words now but like yeah my sense of myself i think i i had to learn a lot about myself well to be we,
0: fair i think everyone you know it's the part it's hard to know what's just a part of that stage of development versus you know the theater or whatever
1: yeah it's but yeah i mean i i who knows but i i, I definitely think that it had an effect on me for sure just only ever but since that was truly like all I did.
0: What was so. your experience of like finding a sense of community with the theater kids? Do you think that, do you feel like they were more open to like understanding you more as like a person of difference or that it didn't ah, really matter? So
1: hard to assimilate, but I don't, I honestly couldn't. I mean, definitely in, in college, yes. In high school, it's hard to know cause I was trying so hard to, you know, mm-hmm. um, I certainly, Yeah, I definitely felt more at, you know, at home with theater kids than I did with other people. Um, Although I found a lot of my old journals and apparently there was lots of drama in the drama department that that I had forgotten about. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely there was, there is something about, I think theater kids have tended to be interested in things outside of themselves. I think there is something about theater that does that, you know, where you're, there's, there's some, well, at least, okay, not for everyone, but I have experienced it in myself and other people as there being an interest in others. So then that does, I think, create a little bit more space for people to at least be open to your, your difference, but like, mm-hmm. or your, the proverbial you, or like to my difference or whatever, my sure. difference. Open to my difference um but uh yeah it's it it I think I think I think it's that's true I'm sorry I'm gonna pass the ball to you
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah no worries um yeah I think so like as I was saying I think the challenging part of theater for me was that like I think I intuitively felt like theater was a space where I could exercise a bunch of the energy that I naturally had. Like I was always getting in trouble for clowning in class. Like I was I, I was hamming it up all the time in school. Um, and now as an adult, I realized that like I was undiagnosed with ADHD, so that makes sense. Um, and I also think that in general, I got used to like using my ability to socially map like what the expectation was probably I think a part of it was like being a a black person in a predominantly white space um, and growing up in a, a state in a culture that was predominantly white like sort of the code switching situation makes you hyper develop like a weird social awareness of like what the expectations are and how things are different in this space versus at home, you know, linguistically and socially and all of that. But then I, I also just am like, I think social science is one of my special interests. Like I've always mm-hmm. been like a low key, like anthropologist um, sort of think like just like intuitively kind of mapping how people communicate and what what sorts of social energies get sort of different kinds of reactions. And I just was frustrated that I didn't feel like I was able to harness that energy, like that energy wasn't able to be expressed when I was young. I feel like in elementary school middle school, um, because I didn't get in high school, I didn't get cast and stuff, um, which mm-hmm. also I think in general, I had a lot of anxiety about like performance art to begin with. I would get really nervous. Um, And so it just felt like extra rejection to be like, it feels like this is my space. And also I am rejected here. Like I've got to be in the shadows. Um, Mm. So I feel like there was a weird meta thing that happened where I was like, finally, like the attention will be on me in a way that I'm having control over rather than my regular experience of like, just feeling under the microscope without any control. Uh, But then I didn't necessarily get that. Um, But a way that I feel like it was empowering is that like, I think uh, in the spaces where I did performance stuff uh, later in life as an adult, like, so when I did the community theater troupe in grad school, we actually did a clowning workshop And I had so much fun. Um, It was just really fun and cathartic to like be in an environment where we were invited to play as adults. And I'll say like the, the general energy and character of the people who were in the troop with me was very like, it was just like a very good vibe and everyone was kind of open to the idea of like being playful. And it was really healing because I think I have a really childlike, playful, humorous nature. And I feel like uh, sometimes when I'm not around other people who are that way, I can like suppress it a lot. Um, And so that was a space where it was really cathartic for me to kind of like, I don't know, to just be in this play space as an adult um, when I was like under so much pressure in my regular day-to-day life. Um, and I think also like I did improv here at the DC improv, um, and it was one of the best investments that I have made. I feel like in my adult life, because, um, again, it was another, like, in a, in an interesting sense, like improv really helped me observe how much time and space I do, like I did spend performing. And like not even and not even being aware of it uh, because a, an interesting thing happened where when you're given prompts to like perform characters or whatever or to just like have to improvise certain things, it kind of made me think about how like I was actually doing that thing of playing a character a lot of the time without being aware of it mm-hmm. um, so I, that was kind of a cool. I don't know that was a cool meditation on thinking about performance and presence and you know how we can like use pl- like playfulness to like actually be more present i think is what like i kind of got out of that and like i looked so it was like i don't know i think like eight weeks um on saturdays that i did improv and i looked like it was the like the shining beacon of my week while I was doing it. Um, and so, yeah. I don't know, I think doing performance stuff really has been, despite the trials and tribulations when I was younger, as an adult, like doing theater stuff really has been cathartic for me.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I've had so much fun and certainly, yeah, improv, like I, I loved doing improv back when it was something that was a regular part of my life. It was, um, and yeah, and I mean, doing theater, I I definitely have, it was cathartic, taught me a lot of things, gave me space sometimes to express emotions that I did not feel comfortable expressing myself, but I could mm-hmm. express them, you know, in a character. And, and it was something, and I'm, I'm good at it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so it was something that i was able to feel have a you know get a sense of accomplishment from and uh Mm -hmm. i mean some and and the extent to which i'm good at it probably also has to even do with having albinism and the extent to which i had to learn to perform for people to get my needs met (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't even
0: think about that but i think that's a whole other episode
1: probably um but uh yeah and I don't mean like perform like for my for my immediate family necessarily but in the in the world at like in in, as in a general sense in the world as like a growing up as a child with albinism and and you know having disabilities uh yeah the needing to perform anyway um yeah I I and my my interest in per, like I'm still super interested in performance, and uh, I don't like go to a lot of live. Well, who's going to a lot of live theater these days? Um, but
0: <laughs> uh, people, I'm still really. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna correct. I'm gonna not say what I was gonna say, anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, uh, I I'm still really like certainly interested in uh, in performance like in performance theory, I'm you know not versed in it, but I still really like to um, think about performance both mm-hmm. you know on screen or on stage and in life.
0: Well, and I think it's so cool that like in your time spent in grad school, you kind of were exploring the intersections of disability studies and performance art because I don't know. I think it's it's interesting to unpack the ways in which we all socially perform and mask Mm -hmm. Um, and especially like circling back to what you said about like having to perform for access needs or to get needs met. Um, I didn't even really think about that until you said it, but like, you know, I think everyone unless you're really working on presence can just really fall into the the patterns of performing certain social roles but especially Mm -hmm. I think for disabled folks it's like we are literally erased by the the structures that be and so sometimes I think that really shapes us into performing certain roles to get our needs met you know and so I think thinking about that that narrative of how we can control, like it, uh, using theater as a way to empower the narrative of performance rather than being marginalized by it is something that I think is really interesting to think about. Yeah. Same. Um, so yeah i think we've we've moved through our questions um well i think um i wanted to sort of like set the the precedent and the ritual that like maybe at the end of our episodes we can start like naming a thing that we're proud of ourselves uh about this week um i know you, you and i talk a lot about sort of like being kind to ourselves and really trying to like do the work in ourselves and with each other to sort of like name um, just like the resi- the resilience and the resistance in our like lived existence on the day-to-day because we can very easily forget as like, you know, disabled and marginalized people. So um, do you have something that you feel proud of yourself about this week?
1: Yes, I have been very successful in using um, some, like somatic exercises that I've been, like really lucky to learn, <laughs> um, and I was re- able to use those really af- like I had a rough week, but I was I felt like I was really effective at using um, healthy coping mechanisms in a lot of instances, and that's not
0: you know that's not always the case, so I am proud of myself for that. <laughs> Yo! Big claps for that. Um, oh, and can you explain to folks who may not know what the word somatics is? Like, what you mean when you talk about like um, some somatic I, exercises? I
1: try. I'm not even sure. I, I know what it means intuitively and in my practice, but I'm I'm sometimes I'm I'm not good at defining things academically. So please feel free to jump. Me It's basically uh, like practices that have to do with the, the body, like uh, and um. It's yeah. really about being in your body experiencing your body in a very present way um in, like embodying your voice or any given thing mm-hmm. with your whole self <laughs> is that mm-hmm. am i doing
0: is that yes yeah. no Come you're
1: up. doing an excellent job um exercise yeah, exercises to say you know present and grounded and and to to uh and to regulate to help regulate your nervous system um and emotions and 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 physical symptoms too yeah. and yeah there's lots of different kinds of exercises you can do um or that, that can or not just exercises but you know just things you can do that can be helpful and i was able to find them helpful this past week
0: that's a super big deal like for you in particular and also just for like folks like us in general um, yeah thank you real- I'm very proud of you, and thank you. you know, I'm happy that you named that for yourself. We can easily forget that, like, so much of us have experienced so many traumas, and we get used to dissociating that we forget to name for ourselves when we actually integrate like good coping mechanisms, like somatic practices, to like get back in our body,
1: yeah. um,
0: to like name that for ourselves. That's something to be fucking proud about, dude. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Now, how about, what are you proud of Stacia? Um, well, firstly, I have to say, I'm proud of us for doing the second episode. I'm so yeah. proud of us. Like, um, and I am proud of myself this week for preparing dinner for myself every day this week, which that's a big deal for me. We're like, yeah. I like to cook, but like, we I have this weird thing where like, I like to cook as an act of service and I don't really like to like prepare things for myself, which I like see the embedded problematics of that. Uh, but <laughs> this week I like made myself make meals for myself and like like kind of muster up the courage to like do it joyfully. So that's the thing this week that I'm that
1: about. Is amazing. That's I'm I am very proud of you. I'm so happy you made yourself yummy food and feel good about it and
0: yeah, me too
1: yeah
0: well Woo. I'm proud of you I'm proud of us and this is our second episode please yeah, tune back in to hear everybody. more yeah we love you okay bye we love you have a great night day life <laughs> whatever you listen to this time whatever. or space <laughs> okay bye <laughs> Yeah.